0: I get more
1: nervous in this room than anywhere else. It's on your radio
2: right now. Do you know how to pop that coochie for a girl? There you
0: go. This is the world's most dangerous one morning show. Got the cameras, a motherfucker.
3: I disagree. What kind of show is this? My son listens to this
4: show. This the breakfast Club with DJ Envy. Oh, the captain of this bitch. With Angela Yee, the only one who can keep these guys in check. With Charlemagne the God, I'm love a
5: lover boy. And this
4: is the Breakfast
3: Club, bitches.
1: Yo, 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 yo,
6: Good morning, Angela Yee.
4: Good morning, DJ M B. Charlemagne the God.
5: Peace to the penitent. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? And good morning, Toronto.
6: Come on, What's happening?
5: We almost there, baby. We almost there. Made a little work. How y'all feeling? Good. We good. Everybody good? good? Yeah, we good. We good.
6: Everything
5: is okay. It's okay to be be somewhere between O and K. Okay? That's why I've been a lot this month. Somewhere between O and K. But through all of that, I'm still blessed, black, and highly favored, though.
6: There you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully you guys are feeling okay out there. Uh, Wes Moore will be joining us today. Now, Wes My Moore God, is Wes Moore. the CEO of the Robin Hood Foundation. He's an author, entrepreneur. He has a lot of uh, titles under his belt. So, we'll be kicking it with Wes a little bit later.
5: Military, mili- military veteran. He's got a new mm-hmm. book out called um, Five Days, The Fiery Reckoning of America.
6: Mm hmm. So, so we'll the Fiery
5: Reckoning of, Amer- of an American City. That's
6: what it is. Okay. Yes. So, we'll be kicking it with Wes. And now, you got front page news. What are we talking about?
4: Uh, yeah, you know, yesterday was elections. I actually went out and voted yesterday. So shout mm-hmm. out to everybody who went and voted, and in, and um, in the states where they were offering that. I know, I know we were talking about Kentucky. Everybody was watching there because they were talking about how many uh, polls they were making the voting process more difficult for people. So we we'll talk about the voter polls suppression.
2: Open.
4: Yes, and what actually happened there?
5: Okay, all, all right. right. So and, um, yes. Mm-hmm. Did you, did, did, uh, yesterday I was uh, out hugging trees. I'm a tree hugger now, because mm-hmm. uh, my sacred purpose coach, uh, salute to Yachty, um, she 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 t- she told me to, you know, go out in the yard and put my ha- put both my hands on some trees and put my forehead to the trees and you know download all the information that the ancestors mm-hmm. want to give me from the roots. And uh, I just want to salute all the tree huggers out there. I never judged y'all, never laughed at y'all. I just would hear, oh, tree hugger. Group. And you know, think a certain certain type of person, I guess, like a like a like a hippie type, right? But now I totally understand why y'all hug trees. Drop on the clues bombs for tree huggers. Yeah, I am that was just a tree I didn't I
4: didn't know people literally hug trees. I thought they just
5: called. Oh it no, I'll be out no, i be out there hugging the trees. i would be so, i be waiting for my neighbors to call the
6: police. So when you out there, right, and you grabbing uh-huh. that wood, and you pushing that wood, pulling that wood close to your body, what's what? What are you thinking? first of all, you don't push or
5: pull a tree. Trees have been there for years, okay, unless you're the incredible guy. I don't think there's no pushing or pulling of, of, of
6: trees. You got to pull it uh, towards you also, when you hug that wood. It,
5: what, what is, what's on your mind? No, you don't. It's it's, also, it's very grounding. You know, it mm. brings you back to center in a real, real way. You go out there and you can do your breathing exercises mm. and you can say a prayer. Like, it really, really does bring you back to center. So salute to all the tree huggers out there. Uh, I, I, I have joined you. I'm proud to be a
6: tree hugger. How long do you hold that wood for?
5: However long I feel, it's like meditation. It's like, um, it's like, like I said, I go out there and I pray and 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 I meditate and I do breathing exercises for for however, however long I I choose to be out there. And right. I feel myself coming back to center. Then I then I fall back off the tree. But, but don't be on the, the wood trails. too long, it's, it's, man. I... It's a it's 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 a good, it's a good thing. You should try it. Okay. Well, just don't be holding the wood
6: too long. Let, you know, let it be free a little bit.
5: Envy, envy. You have to remember you're married. I know you haven't mm-hmm. seen me in months, but you're married. We're both married. You can't be flirting with me. What are you talking okay, about? Toronto you
6: said you were hugging the wood. I'm Listen, asking questions. What? what I'm just Toronto curious. What does Toronto think? What I'm does just Toronto curious. think? Okay, what? Something that, what? <laughs> and there's
5: something that rhymes with six that you could scream out right now. It's just up to you. Oh, I ain't seen what? you this video about Drake either. going to send you this video about Drake? This is how you sound this morning. I'm gonna take oh, you human look. resources. Don't, don't
6: you, don't you do it. Don't you flirt with me this morning. I'm just asking about is you there, grabbing is the there, wood.
5: Is, is there human resources when we
6: work from home? <laughs> I'm not sure. All right. Well, we'll be back. Front page news is next. I'm uh DJ MB, that's Angela and we got the wood hugger.
5: Charlotte it's the the tree hugger.
6: <laughs> it's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning everybody, it's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where we starting yee?
4: Well, let's start with elections yesterday. As you know, voters have been facing long lines, fewer in-person polling locations because of safety protocols. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, one place people were keeping an eye on was Kentucky, uh, and there were some issues. They said some voters were stuck in Louisville waiting to park their cars outside the Kentucky Exposition Center, causing them to miss a deadline to get in line when the polls closed at 6 p.m., Uh, The center was the only site open in Louisville and Jefferson County because of coronavirus. So video showed voters locked outside. Some of them were pounding on the glass windows, hoping to be let in. Shortly after that, they did manage to secure a court order that opened the doors and extended the poll hours to 630 p.m. so that people could actually have access to go inside and vote. So, Kentucky is one of several states that also expanded access to absentee voting. Officials expected a record turnout over of over one million people voting in the primary. So they won't have full results until June 30th uh, because of all of that. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Mm-hmm.
5: I was going to say the fact that social media was speaking on what was happening in Kentucky more than mainstream media is mm-hmm. next to me. Like the blatant voter suppression in a place that Mitch McConnell represents, the same Mitch McConnell that has blocked two election security bills. Dems need to be honest about how tough it's going to be to win in November because Absolutely. of voter suppression, because of voter depression, uh, people not being enthused about Biden. And possible Russian interference, like, like this, like, like John Stewart said yesterday when he was here, based off that line in his movie Irresistible. You can't win a battle if you're not honest about what you're up against. Period.
4: All right. And Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. There were three Democratic primary challenges for her in New York, and she did blow everybody out. So she's uh, still in. So we'll okay. see what happens. Go ahead,
5: AOC. Drop one of the clues bombs for AOC. Damn it. One of the good ones. One of the
4: good now, ones. Now, meanwhile. On the left. Now, meanwhile, Donald Trump was talking about voter suppression. Yes, well, he was talking about what he thinks will be happening with the Democrats. He believes will be rigging the election. Here's what he had to say yesterday.
2: The Democrats are also trying to rig the election by sending out tens of millions of mail-in ballots using the China virus as the excuse for allowing people not to go to the polls.
5: I was watching now, this- uh, CNN last night and... And Don Lemon was showing this uh, segment about how uh, Donald Trump has done absentee ballots before. Mike Pence, his wife, Jared Cushing, like so many people in his administration, Uh, William Barr, they all did mail-in ballots before. So I don't know what the problem is now.
4: Yeah, ironically enough, he was in Arizona, where he was speaking yesterday, where, by the way, there's been a huge spike in coronavirus cases. And Arizona, the county that he was in, actually has already voted by mail and has done that for years. The vast majority of voters there actually have for years already voted by mail. So this is nothing new.
2: Uh.
4: All right, in addition to that, Donald Trump talked about monuments coming down.
2: But the radical left, they hate our history. They hate our values, and they hate everything we prize as Americans, and we're right. Because our country didn't grow great with them. It grew great with you and your thought process and your ideology. The left-wing mob is trying to demolish our heritage so they can replace it with a new repressive regime that they alone control.
5: He's crazy. Yes. Yes, we hate racism. Yes, we hate slavery. Yes, we Mm -hmm. hate segregation. Your history is racism. It's bigotry. It's hate. And let's be clear. We built this country, black people. If you had 260 years of of of, of free labor, free labor, okay, yeah. free. Labor. If you had 260 years of free labor and and you and, and you didn't get in, get anything for it, or, or you gave 260 years of free labor and you didn't get anything for it, you would hate the history of this country as well. And for him to say that we want to replace it with an, another a, 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 a oppressive regi- regime what's more oppressive than
4: white supremacy? What is what has well, been more oppressive He wants to than preserve America? that, so. <laughs> Jesus All right, Christ. well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your front page news. Goodness gracious. Hey,
5: and that, that John C. Calhoun uh, statue is coming down in Charleston, South Carolina right now, the 843. Drop on the clues, bombs for the 843. They voted on it uh, yesterday, and they are taking it
6: down right now. And white right. supremacists are losing their minds. Salute to my guy, Mayor Tecklenburg. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club.
3: Yeah, let's
6: go. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or
7: black.
6: We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club.
7: So if you got something on your mind, let yeah.
6: Hello, who's this? Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Get it off your chest. Good morning, Nicole. Hey,
3: hey Charlamagne. Hey, Envy. Hey. All right,
8: so I'm hey. because I'm a college graduate and I'm also a veteran. And I'm upset because I can't secure a home loan because I got outstanding student loan balances and they don't want to wow. give me the money for the house that i want and um i work i still work for the government and i started time in the military and they still don't want to give me the money mm. so no I, I hate that i hate
5: that i feel like and i feel like and veterans and she... i'm
8: also like y'all the first college graduate in my family and this is what you know i I did the right thing i got a degree and mm-hmm. i started the military, and i'm still continuing education and i still can't
6: get the loan that i need what's out. what's your credit what's your credit so how's, you how's your credit veterans
8: my credit score is a 785,
6: <laughs> and I worked hard to get it there,
5: and that still don't even matter. Okay, I got you. I hate you. that. I hate. I hate. I hate how they treat our veterans. Our veterans should get, uh, you know, free room and board. Our veterans shouldn't have to pay any taxes. You know yeah. what I mean? And y'all should get a stipend. And, and y'all should get a like, stipend every
3: month.
6: Is this your, is this your first that. time buying a home? Is this your first home?
3: Yeah. First oh time yeah. Saying, yeah. Now
6: we we got you. Now, how many? Well, yeah. I'm gonna put you on hold. My guy Matt. Does mortgages? All right. He's been able to make uh-huh. miracles happen, especially if you're a first-time home buyer and you're a veteran. There's so many different programs right now where they'll give you down payments for your home, and they'll also give you closing costs. So there's a bunch of different programs. You you, you hold on, and I'll give you his number. Matt, the mortgage guy, is his name. All right. All
0: right. Thank you. All right. Hello. Who's this? It's live from California. How y'all doing?
6: Hey, what's up, bro? Would
0: Get you it say up chest. Your, your name, chest. Up, King? Fly. Uh, what's up, King? How I was calling, you doing, bro? I was, I was calling because. The interview that you had yesterday, uh, yesterday with John Stewart, honestly, I think it was one of the best interviews that you have like had at the Breakfast Club. Period. Uh, from the range of topics that you discussed, just the discourse between two people is something that we need to see right there. That was like one of the best interviews that you all have ever had.
5: Um, I wanna Thank you, that. brother. We appreciate
0: um, that. Um, something, Charlemagne, that you said during that interview was that something that the democrats have a problem with doing is our messaging messaging and getting that mm-hmm. yeah getting that across to the people and like defund the police right it's a triggering it's a triggering triggering word what do y'all think about saying like refund the people instead of defund the police because we're asking for a reinvestment in our communities correct and maybe that helped get people in the door a little bit safer what do y'all think about that I think you no said refund what
6: the people? It's going to be a trigger for so people.
0: But it, it has to do with the police
4: department. So I think, you know, that is really so the refund. focal point of it, the financing for the police departments.
0: I was thinking that slogan gets the people inside the door. And then when you, when you explain to them how you refund the people, now you talk about how we're divesting funds from police departments, putting that in the mental health services, so on and mm-hmm. so forth.
5: Yeah, yeah, I read yeah. a good article um, that uh, Michael Harriet wrote about um, Tim Scott, and you know he was saying that he likes the Republican Police Reform Bill a little bit better than the Democratic Bill, but it's actually the same bill. Uh, but mm. Tim Scott just has Tim Scott just has a different messaging, you the know. So he's, he's still yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's still talking about the funding the police. He's just messaging it in a different way. Yeah.
0: So maybe y'all should have like a prison abolitionist like come and like and a police abolitionist come and explain what it is. Like same dialogue that you guys are having and really like let people know like hey it's not gonna be lawlessness. We'll have a system, it's just a reimagining of public safety
6: and uh restorative justice in our prison instead of, you know, punishment. Okay. okay. Well thank you for checking in, brother. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake
0: up. Wake your ass. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast
6: Club. Hello, who's this? Hey, good morning. Hi, DJ Envy. Good
3: morning. This is Cheryl
6: Collins
3: from Columbus, Ohio.
6: Hey, Cheryl, get it off your chest.
3: By way of Akron.
6: Okay. What's this up? Get it off your chest.
3: Time. Yeah, this is my first time calling, and I wanted to call and tell Charlemagne He need to go sit in the corner. I've been wanting to call him ever since I was working, but I knew I wasn't going to be able to get in, and he need to go somewhere and sit down. Why you
6: want him to sit down?
3: Why I want him to sit down? He want to ask John Stewart, you should have seen what my grandmother had to wear as a T-shirt, my grandmother was Tom Lou Ween. He should see what she had to wear. I don't give a f- about yeah. what f. Now I ain't talking. I'm talking for real. I ain't talking like my niece taught me how to talk. My favorite niece, her name is T.C. Tamara
5: okay, Collins. what you talking? I still don't know what you're talking about, baby. What you talking about?
4: What shirt? Who
3: is this, Charlemagne? Yes, yeah. Charlemagne, you go sit yes. somewhere. Go to timeout. And for <laughs> okay. why you gotta? T- I, I need to know what I did wrong. You 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 full
6: of s. Whoa. <laughs> you got that right. Okay, gonna, what the hell?
3: You going to ask John Stewart what his mother had to wear? You should have seen what my grandmother's shirt what have what she what? had to wear. Talk about
6: I I, I, I I didn't ask any John
3: Stewart what his mama was wearing.
6: What are you sh- talking about? He sure did mama. Go ahead, get on his butt. Go ahead. Tell him to sit in the corner Come some on, more. Stop. Not, don't now, now, out, we don't know son. what this woman dealing with. Angela
3: Angela what? Yee. You know, many years ago, Angela, many years ago, Michelle K tried to tell y'all what was going on out there in the street. Michelle and who? Kevin Gates then tried to tell you when he's talking about people eating booty and sh. Okay.
5: Yeah. Okay. How you doing, well, my love? You that's good? What
3: I want to talk about Let us know. I'm glad Amanda Seals is going to put uh, whatever she's going to do on TV. You know, I'm she
5: hosting the BET Awards this weekend.
3: I ain't talking to you, Charlotte, Go stick yourself.
6: <laughs> you down. on time out. <laughs> yes, she, she's talking about yes, what John Stewart was talking about the shirt his mom wore in regards to him being called sexist. Is that what you was talking about, Mama?
3: Yes. She,
6: John right. Stewart was not talking about wearing no goddamn shirt. He said, I, I think, uh, something about a fish and a bicycle. That's what she's talking about. Yes, he did. That's
3: right. Yeah. I don't okay, know what you're I talking about. You of, you I don't. The my mother had to wear, my grandmother had to wear in Akron, Ohio, during the riot. I th- All this I, th- I th- done th- forgot. Wait a I minute, you shut up. You want time out? F- all this stuff <laughs> on in the corner. Top, I seen these kids crying in the street. All that bra- brought back my memory. I'm trying to get a COVID-19 test, and they give me the f***ing run around. And I know the system.
6: Where, where, where you from, where Mama? You, where you live at?
5: Where I'm, you live at?
3: I'm from Akron, Ohio, by way of Columbus. I'm
5: gonna and call LeBron, and I'm gonna have LeBron send you a. I'm gonna have LeBron send you a COVID-19 test.
3: You can't curse. <laughs> now you stop.
6: stopping.
3: man, that's the only thing he understands is cursing.
4: You got to say right. Shut the F You're
6: up. Right. You, the got F up. Be, you got to be aggressive Wait, with me. Well,
4: you, you hold I'm on, all We right.
6: Can we get your number so we, th- you. that way we can see if we could find a place that's doing the free COVID testing for you in in Akron? Can we do that? I think Le- LeBron James is doing them today the at 4 o'clock. I all love right. you, though. Get it off your By the your way, chest. I don't remember John Stewart talking
5: about his damn shirt. I remember John Stewart saying he was from a single mother and he had a bunch of men working for him. How did that his, mom his
6: mom's say shirt get into this? Uh, I need a man like a fish needs a bicycle. It, yeah.
4: What that got to do with me, though? A, nothing. I don't know. But, why I was, but he was saying that his mom wore that t-shirt. <laughs> and,
6: yeah. yeah. But that's the shirt she's talking about. Get it off your chest. Okay. 800-585-1051. We got Rumors on the Way ye.
4: Yes, let's talk about Bubba Wallace. Now, he is responding to the FBI's findings that that noose in his garage was there since 2019. It was there that long? He didn't see it? I'll tell you what, what's going on.
6: My goodness. All right. We'll talk about that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk D.L. Hughley. Listen up.
0: It's just in. All the gossip. 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 The rumor report. Gossip. Gossip. With
3: Angela, Angela It's the rumor
4: report.
0: The Breakfast
2: Club.
4: Well, we told you about D.L. Hughley. He was performing in Nashville and he collapsed on stage. Later on, he revealed that he did have coronavirus. He got tested. Well, now his son, Kyle Hughley, has revealed that he also has tested positive for COVID-19. Listen to this.
8: I regret to... Inform everybody that I have tested positive for COVID. I'm uh, asymptomatic so far, which is good. Um, so as my dad. You know, we're both asymptomatic. Uh, my mother tested twice. Uh, both times came back negative. So that's good.
4: All right. Well, it makes sense. I mean, as you know, they were together. So, of course. And he does work with him. So that's the, the risk yeah. that's associated with that.
5: Salute to the Hughley men. Uh, that sucks. But glad y'all brothers are asymptomatic and wishing y'all a speedy recovery. D.L. will be back on his feet soon.
6: Yeah, and I wonder what you said. How long did he have it? Did he have it for seven days already, or did he get it a day ago? Like, how long? You know, I'm, I'm always curious. To that's, what know. I, that,
5: that's, that's what I was saying. Is just like, what if you've had coronavirus for 12 days already? Do you right. still have to quarantine for another 14, and you only got to quarantine for two? I don't know. All I know is D.L. Hughley will be back out there uh, spreading the laughs and the information soon, and we'd much rather that than him out there spreading coronavirus. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and I don't think there's any way to know exactly when you got it either. And for some people, it lasts longer than others. Some people have it for like a couple of months, you know. So it's hard to say. All right, now uh, Eminem has brought Royce Royce to five nine on, and he's going to be actually the director of community engagement and social justice initiatives for the Marshall Mathers Foundation. M&M said, I'm super excited about not just donating money, but launching new initiatives. My goals are simple, providing uh, privilege for the underprivileged. And uh, Royce59 said, I'm honored to team up with Eminem to do so. Marshall Mathers Foundation. So that's dope. They're going to be reaching new goals together. They actually donated to uh, the Change for Change initiative that we do in the first year
7: mm-hmm.
4: to the Justice mm-hmm. League. How much did he donate? $250,000, right?
6: Yeah, 250, Yep, dollars I it thought it was I thought it was a hundred. No, no, no. It was a yeah, hundred. It was a hundred. Oh, it was? I it was okay. I think it was hundred.
4: Yeah.
6: I mean, we All appreciate
4: still, it. Yeah, a nice, nice. sizable donation. Absolutely. <laughs>
6: mm-hmm.
4: All right, Bill Cosby has been granted an appeal in his sex assault conviction. And so what that means is the court will look into Cosby challenging testimony from women who accused him of plying them with quaaludes before sexually assaulting them. Judges will determine whether the jury should have heard from the women, many of whom Bill Cosby said uh, it was more than 15 years ago and the women's testimony wasn't the same as the sexual misconduct that he was convicted of and that he was never criminally charged in those instances. So the court has agreed that he can object to the county district attorneys going back on what he said, but which was a promise to Cosby that he wouldn't be prosecuted if he spoke truthfully in a deposition. If you remember, there was a deposition. It was supposed to be sealed. He spoke truthfully, but they did reveal some of that. So now, as he's serving this three to 10-year sentence, uh, he'll be able to have an appeal.
5: I'm shocked Bill Cosby is still alive. I'm not going to lie to you. What do you mean? I, 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 didn't think, I didn't think he would he would last in prison. I really didn't. I mean, he's he's 80-something years old. He, he's legally blind. Like I didn't think he would last. I'm be honest with you. I'm shocked. I'm shocked.
4: Well, so. Bill Cosby's spokesman said, as we have all stated, the false conviction of Bill Cosby is so much bigger than him. It's about the destruction of all black people and people of color in America. Hmm. Um. All right. Going, <laughs> I don't know about I that. I wouldn't.
5: I wouldn't go that far. <clears throat> uh. But okay.
4: Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, Now, Bubba Wallace, we've been talking about this whole situation with a noose that was found in the garage, at NASCAR, his garage. Well, according to the FBI... They are saying that that noose was present since 2019. They said no federal charges would be pursued. Nobody could have known Mr. Wallace would be assigned to garage number four last week. The FBI learned the garage number four, where it was where it was found, was assigned to Bubba Wallace last week. The news found in that garage was in that garage as early as October 2019. So I saw a lot of people were calling him, but uh, were calling Bubba Wallace Bubba Smollett as far as referring to him as Jesse Smollett. With the new situation. And here is what Bubba Wallace has to say about the FBI investigation.
3: I've
1: been racing all my life. I've, we've, we've raced out of hundreds of garages that um, never had garage pools like that. So people that want to call it a garage pool and put out old videos and photos of, of, of knots being um, in, uh, in, in, in there as their evidence. Go ahead. But from the evidence that we have, it's a straight up noose.
5: My thing is, how racist is NASCAR that nobody noticed the noose?
7: <laughs> like, Ain't that kind of weird? Yeah. <laughs> how, that
5: the norm how normal or? is it? How normal is a noose that it was up there so that long and crazy. nobody noticed? Whether, whether or not it was targeted at Bubble, but that a noose is just decoration at NASCAR? I guess like, like right. you just you just, just like you just what are you supposed to do when you get under the noose, you're supposed to kiss? What you is Boy, one, and they, what's they, the thing <laughs> at Christmas? What's the thing at Christmas? Man. Mistletoe. No, the mistletoe there, was mistletoe. Is, 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 is a noose. The NASCAR mistletoe. When when two racers get up under that noose, they're supposed to kiss. The hell.
4: And people were trying to say it was a garage pull, and like Bubba Wallace just said, it's not a garage pull. Everybody's been calling it a noose. The FBI called it a noose. It is what it is. So whether it Even was in 2019 it was a or whatever, it was a noose.
5: Even if it was a garage pool, why is the garage pool tied in the form of a noose? And why is that okay? That's how you know it ain't no black people at NASCAR. Because you're talking about people having blind spots. People <laughs> walk by that thing over and over and over again and never thought nothing of it. it take the black man to be like, hey,
4: that's a noose.
6: <laughs> that's crazy.
4: It's, that's why diversity matters. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report.
6: All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, when we come back, we got front page news. What are we talking about, Yeezy?
4: Yes, and uh, we are going to be talking about Donald Trump. He gave a speech in Arizona yesterday. We'll tell you some of the things that he had to say.
6: All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Across the country. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Car. Oh, I said the car. Charlamagne the God. We are the Breakfast the car? Club. <laughs> what the hell are you ca- calling me a car?
5: What the hell are you thinking about this morning? You want to ride me? A movie is that you want to ride. Somebody just, me, about, somebody just texted me about
6: somebody just texted me about if I was having a car <laughs> show and I, I when I read it it said Charlemagne <laughs> and I looked it and it said car so I said Charlemagne the car
3: so
4: why you didn't say
6: Charlemagne
4: <laughs> yeah why <laughs> Charlemagne the it it car that's just the way it what came kind of car would
6: I be to you sir no tell me what kind of car would I be to you let me think let me think
4: hmm. you hmm.
6: I think you would be a Cadillac black mm. Escalade that's, that's what I think oh
4: classic sweet nice
5: okay. Mm-hmm. Smooth ride. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I like how you feel about. I like how you feel about me, Envy. My goodness. Anyway, let's
6: get let's get into some front page save, news. Save that for Valentine's Day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. I know it's. I know it's awkward. You there? Thing.
4: Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, in Kentucky voting did uh, happen yesterday in the primaries. A lot of people were looking to see what would happen in Kentucky because they reduced the number of polling places from 3700 to fewer than 200 and there were just one there's just one polling place in each of the state's two largest cities because of a massive shortage of poll workers. And by the way, I do want to thank all the people who worked yesterday. I was I went and voted yesterday in Brooklyn. And I did go in and I thanked everybody who was in there working because I know everybody's, there's a lot going on with coronavirus. So it's nice to see people putting in that work and being pleasant to everyone and making sure they direct people in the right way. So that led to concerns of a suppressed black vote. And a lot of people were talking about that. They said in Lexington, the lines were about an hour long during midday and they actually had to end up extending Uh, Voting as well in Kentucky because a lot of people couldn't get in. A judge did extend voting by 30 minutes, which allowed more than 100 people who were waiting outside the Expo Center in Louisville to actually be able to get in and finish the uh, voting process. Some people said that it was smooth, though. Some people said it only took them 10 to 15 minutes. Other people ended up waiting over an hour. So a lot of people were paying attention to what would happen there. Uh, In the meantime, Donald Trump was in Arizona and he actually talked about how he feels like the Democrats could be rigging the election.
2: The Democrats are also trying to rig the election by sending out tens of millions of mail-in ballots using the China virus as the excuse for allowing people not to go to the polls.
5: You know, I I don't care what y'all think of Donald Trump. I don't care what your polls say. Polls said the same thing in 2016, and Trump still won. And it's things like that. That's the reason why. Voter suppression. And what do you think is going to happen in November? Voter suppression, possible interference from other countries, voter depression because people aren't enthused about the candidates, and low voter, voter turnout always favors Republicans. I'm just trying to figure out why this wasn't a bigger deal yesterday. They cut the polling sites in Kentucky. They locked Which people out. Which was crazy, yeah. he's, trying to, he's distracting you by telling you Democrats are going to rig the election, and they are blatantly doing it. <laughs> like, right under your nose. Why wasn't this all over the news yesterday? I saw it more on social media than anyway.
4: Now, another thing that Donald Trump talked about during his speech in Phoenix was these monuments coming down. You know, he has a problem with targeting statues and monuments that have honored past presidents and uh, the Confederacy across the country. Here's what he had to say.
2: But the radical left, they hate our history, they hate our yep. values, and they hate everything yep. we prize as Americans, and we're right. But yes, we do. our country didn't grow great <laughs> with them. It grew great with Lies. you and your thought process and your Lies. ideology. The left-wing mob we is trying this. to demolish our heritage so they can replace it with a new repressive regime that they alone control.
5: I don't consider myself uh, uh, left, left, or uh, any direction, uh, but I do hate racism, and yes, I hate slavery, and yes, I hate segregation, and I hate your history of racism and bigotry, and your your history of hate. And let's be clear: black people built this country. Okay, two hundred and sixty years of free labor. All right, let's be let's be clear about that.
4: As a matter of fact, white people, you should hate the history also because if uh, right yeah. now, yeah, right now, you should be the ones that should be ashamed. Of what happened in the That's past right. and hate that history as well. It shouldn't even be just That's us right. saying we hate that history. Yeah, we do hate it. That's right.
6: We I'm, I'm surprised he, he just says. What he, I'm surprised he just says what he wants to say and he he, he does he really not. Yeah, are you surprised. really now?
4: I'm still surprised. When, <laughs> when, when, he when a person shows you
5: shot who, shot who they ish. all
6: believed him, man, did, but did, Don, that, nobody that, else did believes him.
4: When you call him a racist,
5: that's they be a like,
3: goddamn no, he's
4: not. Uh, what you that's about? a lie. You should see people in my comments. They definitely believe everything. <laughs> a lot of
6: people on his side, they, <laughs> and a lot of black people on his side be like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like. They believe
4: anything. All
6: Goodness right. Goodness
4: gracious. Uh-uh. Now, a police officer to... involved in the in the fatal shooting of Brianna Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky, has been fired. This is more than three months after Brianna Taylor was killed. Detective Brett Hankinson was informed in a letter that was signed by the police chief that his employment with the department is terminated, and that is effective immediately. That letter was dated on June 23rd, and they did post the letter on Twitter.
5: That's not justice. Now, that's that's hardly um, that's hardly enough. That man needs to be arrested and brought up on murder, murder charges.
6: Now, which individual was is this? Is, is this one of the officers that kicked in the door? Or is this the one that signed off on the warrant? Which which one was this? Do we know?
4: Uh, he's one of the ones that that actually shot. Yes, he. Some of the rounds that he fired uh, was the ones that hit Brianna Taylor. You know, she was shot eight times, right. and some of the rounds went into an apartment next door, endangering the three lives in that apartment as well. So, according to the mayor. Uh, they did terminate proceedings last week, and they said that he violated standard operating procedure when his actions displayed an extreme indifference to the value of human life when he fired 10 rounds into Breonna Taylor's apartment.
6: Yeah, we need that full yeah, cool story. Think after- I was going to say, we need the person yeah. that, that signed off on the warrant, that gave the wrong address, the person that they had the guy in custody that they were looking for already, that still gave the okay to go into that, that, that apartment. We need all of them. All those people were, were, were really reckless.
4: An attorney for Brianna yeah, Taylor's family said that this is just one step, though. We're still waiting for the other officers to be held accountable and for additional charges to be filed. But it is a step in the right direction.
5: Yeah, I think once after they fire these police officers and they don't have that protection of uh, the, blue, the blue wall anymore, you mm-hmm. know, they, they should be charged. They should be charged like anybody else would be charged with a murder. That's it.
4: Yeah, it's crazy. So they do the no-knock warrant, which was an issue right now, right? They do have the Brianna's Law where they're outlawing the no-knock warrants. But it's crazy that this is something that still the police officer, one of them finally just got fired. And mind you, this is over three months ago that this happened. So, you know, but and uh, shout out to Tamika Mallory because she's definitely a person who's been working really uh, closely with, Brianna Taylor's family and with Brianna Taylor's attorneys to make sure that there is justice. And that's what happens when you lift your voices and you lift up the people who have these instances that they want to share and people may not have known all the details and you can see some movement. Now we just need more movement and we need to make sure we keep on following up with these stories.
5: All right. Yeah. They're, going, they're having a, a rally tomorrow at the state Capitol building, uh, 700 Capitol Avenue in Frankfurt Kentucky at 11 a.m. Until Freedom is having it, they got uh, free buses available, first come, first serve, and you can join Brianna's family, uh, attorney Ben Crump, Lonita Baker, uh, Tamika Mallory, and other celebrities and concerned citizens. They'll be there tomorrow at 11 a.m. at the State Capitol Building, 700 Capitol Avenue in Frankfort,
6: Kentucky. Justice for Brianna Taylor. All right. Well, that is your front page news. Now, when we come back, Wes Moore will be joining us. Westmore is the uh, CEO of Robin Hood Foundation. He's an author. He's also an army vet, and we're going to kick it with him. All right, so don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning.
5: The Breakfast Club.
6: NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest on the Zoom right now on the line,
1: the brother Westmore. Welcome, brother. What's going on, y'all? It's good to see you. Good to see you. It's blessed to be with you. It really is. Thank you.
5: Man, Wes got a lot of hyphens. He's the CEO of uh, the Robin mm-hmm. Hood Foundation. Mm-hmm. He's a best-selling author. He's a mm-hmm. combat veteran. He's a social entrepreneur. He's an author. What, well, give me, what, what else? What else, Wes?
1: What oh, nah, we missing? I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the Breakfast Club. That's what I am. <laughs> All right. That's what I right. am. That's a <laughs> He's got a, he's, no, he's really got a new book I mean, out. Honest, today. Honestly, it's uh, you know, I'm a I, I, be, I believe deeply in the fact that y'all are using your voices and the way y'all are using them you know what i'm saying so uh so it, it's uh it means a lot to be on it right now because i think right now we we have a situation where we are being hit from so many sides and people don't even realize it and so our ability to be able to to, to speak out and speak up and and be true to ourselves and be true to our history and our culture and our dna matters so um so just means a lot now, break down the Robin Hood Foundation, if you can,
6: because a lot of people donate to the Robin Hood Foundation, and they want to make sure that their money's going to the, the, the place that they expect it to go. So break that down for a little bit.
1: Yeah, so, so Robin Hood is actually, it's uh, 32 years old, and it really started uh, with a focus on poverty. And uh, mm-hmm. the founders, when they first started off, they said, they they like, we think the markets are going to get hard. This is back in 1988. But they said, but you know who this is really going to see, who this is going to really hit hard? is people who are already living in poverty. Uh, and so how exactly can we come up with a way of, of finding and supporting good organizations uh, that are doing really good work to address poverty in every way that it shows itself? Because, you know, one right. thing I uh, you know, believe in is when people say, well, is poverty about education or is it about housing or is it about health? You know, the answer is yes. Like, mm-hmm. but, you know, for those who are experiencing poverty, it shows itself in every way. It shows itself in the water you drink. It shows itself in the air you breathe, in the schools you attend, in the way you're policed. It shows itself in every single way, and so the ability to be able to then focus and say, okay, how then do we attack this issue with every means that we have to us? It becomes real. And I mean, and I think about you know the fact that even prior, even prior to COVID nineteen and the impact of COVID nineteen were crazy on our community. But even prior to that, half of just take New York as an example, half of all New Yorkers were in poverty for at least a year over the past four years. Half the city. And so when people wow. think this is some isolated thing or when people come up with this ridiculous excuse of, well, people in poverty should just work harder or get a job. How about the fact that 23 percent of people who have lost their job due to COVID-19 were living in poverty before COVID-19? Right. So this is the working poor. People who are working, in some cases, multiple jobs and still, not, and still not above the poverty line. And so really the way we try to attack it is, you know, not just through philanthropy. And, you know, we're one of the largest foundations in the country one of the largest poverty-fighting organizations in the country when it comes to absolute dollars giving out. We work with over 300 organizations in New York City alone, or community organizations. But at the same time, also understanding that, you know, we're dealing with systems that have to be right. completely upended. Uh, you know, right. There's actually a quote on, on, my, on my desk from Dr. King, and it says, uh, philanthropy is commendable, but the philanthropist can never forget the economic injustice that makes philanthropy necessary. And that's just how yeah. it works to work.
5: We got. We have to dismantle this mechanism of white supremacy and and, and, and systemic racism, and, and 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 it's that's why I, I really appreciate what you're doing, man. Um, you know, I got introduced to Wes. Somebody, John Sykes, actually said, uh, "You have to yeah. meet Wes more. He could be president of the United States of America one day."
1: <laughs> John, John, John's my god. John's my god. But 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 I'm telling you. But but for Charlemagne, you're right. People like. We have to understand that, and this is what gets back to me about about even when we're talking about every aspect, but take take policing, for example. I'm not interested in having a good apple, bad apple conversation about policing. I'm not, because Mm -hmm. we're talking about systems, And, and, and as long as we understand that, as long as we understand the fact that there are structural elements that have to be taken out, then I think then we're having a real conversation. And, and people look at, and, and you know, you talk about this element of race. And, and one of the frustrating things, I think people fall into this conversation about race, like race and racism is an individual act, right? Like if, if I, I don't say the N word or, or I don't wear a hood, so therefore I'm not racist. Racism is a system. It's That's a right. system that allows, it's a system that allows for a black college graduate to have the same earning power and earning potential as a white high school dropout. That's a fact. That's data. That is statistics. It's the fact that allows for a black woman who has breast cancer to have a forty-two percent higher likely, higher, higher probability of dying from breast cancer than a white woman. That is a fact. That's data. And so racism isn't an individual act and, and I think when people just personalize it like that, that's where we run into troubles. It's a system that has been built in and baked in. And the only way we're then going to be able to upend it is to be as deliberate about the deconstruction of it as our country has been about the construction of it.
4: Right, like you talk about the police system in your new book, and it's interesting because a police officer could go and want to be a great police officer and have all the right intentions for joining the police force, but at the end of the day, you are working within a system that is just not put together right, right now.
1: That's exactly right. That, and, and if you if you take a look at just, at just Freddie Gray's life, and so, and so, first, I'll add a bit of context where Freddie Gray, for those who might not remember, um, was, uh, was a 25 year old African American man who, in Baltimore City, uh, and by the way, Charlemagne, Baltimore does have the best accent around. <laughs> you are correct, West. <laughs> but it's, but it's, so, it was a 25 year old African American man in Baltimore. Who, who actually he made eye contact with police and he ran. Now, let me be clear about that. He made eye contact with police. That's important because that's only something that's probable cause in certain neighborhoods. In so-called high crime neighborhoods, if you run from the police, that's all you have to do to be in the wrong. And so they chased him and they can chase you and detain you simply by making eye contact in a certain neighborhood, right? And so here's a young man who made eye contact with police. He ran, he was arrested. An hour after he was arrested, he was in a coma. A week after he was placed in a coma, he died. Damn. Right. And so there's two weeks of protest in Baltimore of people demanding accountability and action saying, we need to know what's going on. And then there were all peaceful protests until one night. It was actually the night of his funeral, the night of his home going, um, that that night wasn't as peaceful. And then that's when Maryland, Baltimore was called in a state of emergency. National Guard was called in. Uh, and that was the that was the upright that took place around the death of, of Freddie Gray. But it's important to, you know, but you bring up a really important point, actually, because, you know, when we're talking about policing in that in that scenario, policing in that circumstance, the fact that they had legal jurisdiction to chase Freddie for making eye contact right. because he happened to live in a quote unquote high crime area. That's not a good apple, bad apple conversation. That's a system. That's a law. The fact that even when everything happened, the fact that, that years after this all happened, you know, and if you look at the two years in Baltimore alone before Freddie Gray, in ba- for Baltimoreans, we also know the names Chris Brown and Anthony Anderson and Tyrone West. All people who were in similar situations as Freddie Gray, who just in the two years prior to Freddie Gray, all died at the hands of police or in police custody. And we also know this. If you take all those names, Anthony Anderson, Chris Brown, Tyrone West, Freddie Gray, not a single person has been convicted of a crime. Right.
4: right. So
1: We just have lives lost and no accountability for it. That becomes, that's not about the individual player alone. That's a system that we've got to address. All
6: right, we got more with Wes Moore when we come back. Don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Everybody, Is DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with our CEO of Robin Hood Foundation, Wes Moore. Now, Charlemagne.
5: What, what what do we do to change the system of policing? Because I'm watching them do all of these symbolic things like cancel cops and cancel live PD and take police officers out of video games. And I'm like, look, I'm all for defunding the police. Um, I'm not for abolishing the police.
1: No, yeah. I am mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm not, I'm not for abolishing uh, the, the police either. But I, I, I do know what I'm a, what I'm for abolishing is I'm for abolishing police brutality. I'm for abolishing right. racial profiling. I'm for abolishing the hyper militarization of police and why we have police that are basically dressed up as stormtroopers and are using the same equipment that I use in Afghanistan, and why we have why we have police for using the same gear that I was using at a time of war. And that's not the job of the police, right? The job of the military was actually to go out and actively use offensive measures to fight and win our nation's wars. The job of police Is to protect and to serve. It's a different mission. So why we're using the same mechanics and the same machinery for a different mission does not make sense to me. You know, and and I think you know to your point, I I think you're absolutely right, Charlamagne. Where it's it's uh, every budget is a moral document. If any of you right now, if you show me how how you spend your money every month, I could probably make a make a pretty educated guess as to what you find to be important. Well, it's in about the fact in, in, in New York City. You know, for, for every dollar that we spend on NYPD in New York City, youth development gets 11 cents. For every dollar that the NYPD gets, the health and, and mental hygiene gets 31 cents. In Baltimore City right now, for our health department, they get about a 41 about a, a, a 41 million dollar budget in Baltimore City. Mm. Right, The police department of Baltimore City, it's 509 million. So you can't talk to me about where prioritization lies. And the fact that actually what's happening is we're having the police department take on a collection of other things that they should not be responsible for. And then we end up putting a lot more money into the back end because we're not putting money into the front end on things. In this country right now, child poverty costs this country over a trillion dollars a year. But instead, we think about budgetary allocations and we just continue giving more assets and capital to kinetic and military and, 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 and police functions. It, it doesn't make sense. It is short-sighted. And it's something, when we're talking about policing reform, we have to deal with things like structures like the elimination of, of, of no-knock warrants, the elimination of chokeholds. All those things are real. All those things are important. But it is, to your point, Charlene, it's also about how we talk about budgeting. And how is budgeting then reflecting our prioritization and what we're hoping for from the community? Let me ask you a question,
6: but how do we see that? Because, you know, my whole thing with the police department where all this money is going. We never see where the money is going.
1: That's right, Andy. And and, and you know what's crazy about it? It's your money. I mean, like this right. it right. isn't like that's this right. is some shadow, shadow operation that's yes. going on. It's our taxpayers' it's money. Your yes. money. Absolutely. So so the idea of being able to add transparency and when I say transparency to your point, it's not just saying, Okay, we're gonna give five hundred nine million dollars to the Baltimore City Police Department. It's I wanna see line items. Yes. Exactly where that money. I is want to see sold. the toilet paper
6: that you're buying for the precincts. I want to see all that. I want to see where the money is going. You can't just say it's
1: you're spending public dollars. Yes, it's public dollars, and there is no reason why there shouldn't be a public accountability for public dollars. And, you know, and aside from all out, of that, I, I feel ask. like
4: the the third part of that is also accountability. Right when these police officers commit crimes against civilians they should be held accountable for them and they haven't been in like to your point in Baltimore with the numerous cases that you can bring up there's no firing there's no uh there's no accountability there's no jail time there's no charges so do you feel like that's changing now as things are being brought to light do you feel at least if finally there'll be some legislation
1: I um I'm I'm, I'm very hopeful because we are watching things that are being proposed, not just on local levels, but also on the federal level. We're looking at things like the pushback of qualified immunity. And so qualified immunity is the idea that there is a certain level of immunity that, that law enforcement has that most other individuals just don't have, right? There's this level of this introduction of civilian review board and things that are going to be really important. Because the fact is, right now, the way the process works is it's who, who investigates police, uh, is police interactions and, and potential uh, police brutality cases. The police, and so how exactly can you have people who are policing people who are then also part of units? And so how do we do things like introduce civilian review Board
4: and that kind of thing? Uh, can we no, talk West, about West your book, new- Five Days? Also, right? You yes. have this new book. Let's discuss the eight different people that you actually have in this book and the eight different points of view that you're bringing into play.
1: Yeah, thank you. And yeah, I mean, I'm a. Uh, you know, one of the things I noticed when I was going through, and this was really a process that I was going through myself where right after everything happened with Freddie Gray, I remember attending his funeral. And it was the first funeral I've ever attended in my life where I didn't know the person while they were alive. And it was one of these things because his funeral was almost like a, it was a, was a thing in Baltimore. Everybody was out. And I remember looking around the chapel and just thinking to myself, are any of us, me included, are any of us prepared to do what it actually takes to truly bring justice to this young man? And when we say justice, it's not even just the accountability for, uh, you know, for what happened in his death. The fact that here's a 25-year-old young man who makes eye contact with police and loses his life a week later after being in a coma for a week. But it's also the fact that here was a young man who was born underweight, premature, addicted to heroin. His mother battled addiction for much of her life. She never made it to high school. She lived in poverty her entire life. When he finally was able to gain enough weight, him and his twin sister, Frederica. Um, They left the hospital and they moved into a housing project over in West Baltimore in North Cary Street. That housing, that house that they lived in, uh, that and 400 other homes were named in in a civil lawsuit in 2009 because of the endemic levels of lead inside of that house. So the CDC indicates that if you have five microbes of lead in every deciliter of blood, you will be cognitively impaired for the rest of your life. Freddie Gray had 36, Damn. and so he was a young man who was born underweight, addicted to heroin, lead poisoned, and by that time in his life, he's two years old. Wow! What shot Damn. did Freddie have? What shot did Freddie have? This argument about people just need to work harder. How hard yeah. did Freddie had to work. And, it, and but but honestly, like I found myself sitting there with a sense of my own personal complicity because I left Freddie Gray's funeral and then I had to fly to Boston to go give a speech on poverty and and, and I knew that part of it was because of the work I was doing but then part of it was because they were going to use my story as like it's a celebration it's Mm -hmm. a look at what he did and when you look at a life like Freddie it's just not true and it's a lie that we continue to tell ourselves and so what I wanted to do with this story was first ground us in the reality of what we're talking about. We're talking about the history of systemic racism. We're talking about the history of tolerable poverty, the fact that we, we accept levels of poverty in our society where we are, we are making a devil's deal where we're asking ourselves just how much pain are we willing to accept in other people as long as it doesn't impact us.
5: Everybody go out there and grab Wes's new book, Five Days, The Fiery Reckoning of an American City by my man Wes Moore. Wes, don't be a stranger. We need your voice over the next several months, man, leading up to this election for sure.
1: Absolutely. Amen. Need y'all voice, man. God bless y'all for real. Seriously. God bless you. God bless you, bless you too, brother. All Appreciate right. you, King.
6: It's Wes Moore. It's, it's the Breakfast Club. Great. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, guys.
5: Good morning. Yo, what's happening? Hey, listen, salute to everybody in the 843, man. Charleston, South Carolina. I'm so happy that the uh, John C. Calhoun statue is coming down. I'm about to post a video of it coming down uh, this morning just to piss
6: off the white supremacists that follow me. Let me go post that real quick. Did you see the um, officers out in Ohio? Uh, Neighbors called the police on these uh, five uh, black boys for playing in the street, and the police pulled up. And it was like I don't know why they called the police. We played in the street as kids. Matter of fact, let's play a game. And they played football with the kids. Mm-mm. Did y'all see that video? I thought that was dope. And the reason I thought that was dope, I remember being a kid and playing basketball in the park. And and sometimes you know the the, the local police officers would pull up and and they shoot with us and they play basketball with us. And that's what you need. You could tell those cops are from the community. They understand what's going on. And instead of you know telling the, telling the boys that yo get out the street or this and the other, they was like, nah, let's play. Let's play a game of football. And they played with the kids. And that's what we need more of to make making no get off yeah. the street i thought that was i thought that was dope man
5: yeah i keep saying when they talk about a community policing initiatives i think that they should uh have people from the community encourage people from the community to go into law enforcement and um pay them an extra financial incentive for coming back to police in their own neighborhoods yeah i think that's that's that would be a, a dope idea but what absolutely mm-hmm. i'm a tree hugger you're really into
6: that
5: I wood really today, brother. Hugger. I know. I, I really, I, I really. So let me I ask really you question. a question, and, and it's not no joke. Like when no, you go, I don't, don't want to, talk. to And you, trees. and you
6: grab the, and you grab the wood, right? And you pull in the wood, or you, whatever you do. What do you think about?
5: You know, when I first uh, moved back to New Jersey, right? I was, I moved into this apartment complex in, and, um, and, uh, T-Neck Was that Neck or Hackensack? It was Hackensack. The woman that was working, the woman that was working at the front desk, she said, Charlemagne, you need to watch Envy. And I thought she was about to tell me, you know, Envy a sheisty dude. He's a snake. She was like, you need to watch him because he be over here with this guy that's about your height, and he's bald-headed, and these funny <laughs> sounds coming from the room. <laughs> okay? And I was like, really? And she said, yeah. Now, the dude was my man, Sean. People sure. sometimes mistake <laughs> mistake me and Sean. So basically she was trying to tell me that you possibly could be Envy's type. That's what she was trying to tell me. That was 2010. Now, 2020, he's talking to me about Hugging Wood. I don't
6: know what to tell what? y'all people. First Come of all, Low sword, sword is my brother. Use he had a partner in Hackersack. Use I context clues. It was no strange noise, but you just said you you grabbed the wood. I'm just curious to what you think about I when you there holding you that wood.
5: That when I want to get grounded and come back to center, I go out and I put my hands oh, on trees wood and I put okay. my forehead to trees and oh. I pray on the trees and I meditate to the trees. Okay, all right, that's what my sacred purpose coach told me to do. Okay, that's what I do to keep my mental health in check. All do right? you, wear, One of do it.
6: you wear- do you wear socks and shoes when you hug the tree
5: and grab the wood? Hell no, no! I want my feet to be in the ground. I want to get back grounded, okay? okay. Get back to center.
6: I'm just curious. Right. Okay. Hey, don't be knocking my healing process. Okay? I'm not knocking your healing. I'm just wanna I want to learn. You you hug wood, and I want to know what it does for you. What's the benefits? How it makes you feel? <laughs> you are just talking about you want to be in the center. I'm just asking.
5: Every, everybody knows you know how to hug wood. How you got all them cars? What? (laughs) What? (laughs) How you got all them cars? How you got all them cars, Envy? We know you like to hug wood.
6: Yeah, you got rumors on the
5: way? This guy's crazy. Oh, Uh, we talking rumors right now. (laughs) We've been talking rumors for the past three minutes.
4: Dude, we'll be talking about apologies, Jimmy Kimmel and T.I. What do those two guys have in common? They're apologizing.
6: All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne, the guy we are the Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Jimmy Kimmel. This is the rumor report with Angela Yee. Close. Up. Nah,
2: nah, nah,
4: nah, nah, nah. Well Jimmy Kimmel, as you know, he's taking a vacation and he did come back from his vacation to apologize for wearing blackface in man show sketches that resurfaced. Now if you guys remember this is the Carl Malone impersonation that he did.
1: Sometime at night, Carl Malone look up in the sky and say, what the hell going on up there? Do UFO live on other planet, phoning home like E.T. Come Carmelo read on TV about white people getting deducted by aliens, sticking all kind of hell up their <laughs> and that's a damn thing.
4: Well, he did do that in mm-hmm. blackface, and now he has put out a statement. He said, I have long been reluctant to address this as I knew doing so would be celebrated as a victory by those who equate apologies with weakness and cheer for leaders who use prejudice to divide us. That delay was a mistake. There is nothing more important to me than your respect. And I apologize to those who were genuinely hurt or offended by the makeup I wore or the words that I spoke. He then went on to explain about his impression of Carl Malone, how it started when he was a personality on the radio in the late 90s, and then he moved into television with it, with the, the man show. He said, we hired makeup artists to make me look as much like Carl Malone as possible. I never considered that this might be seen as anything other than an imitation of a fellow human being, one that had no more to do with Carl's skin color than it did his bulging muscles and bald head. So he did also acknowledge he did impersonate Snoop Dogg and Oprah, and he said they were similarly performed without malice. He said, looking back, many of those sketches are embarrassing, and it is frustrating that these thoughtless moments have become a weapon used by some to diminish my criticisms of social and other injustices. So he did put out a full statement, if you want to read that.
5: And he he impersonated Snoop by saying the N-word too, right? But I mean, that's that's all he can do is apologize. I mean, I still I still think we need to have a larger conversation about cultural context and how things used to be in regards to the risks people used to take to entertain, because that line about what was acceptable and not acceptable was non-existent. Everybody went too far back then, which is
6: true, which is true. Everybody went too far. But, you know, as long as he he understands that he apologized and, and, you know, he's evolved as a person, hopefully.
5: I mean, and and yeah. then we're talking about something that is that is we're talking about uh, some, the, something that has literally changed in the last few years, and to to not acknowledge that shift uh, is irresponsible of all of us. And, and I'm sure he's grown since then. What what else can you do but apologize and learn from it?
4: Right, right. And there's nothing wrong with saying, "Look, that was wrong, and it is what it is." All right, Lena Waithe has called out the Hollywood Reporter and Variety for ignoring black shows. She was on the Late Late Show with James Corden and. Uh, she was specifically calling them out. She said uh, people that are hopefuls, all the black shows are like on the long uh, shot list or a major threat as far as TV Emmy nominees. She said, it's like, don't act like black TV is invisible. And so she's saying all those trade, mag, uh, all those trade reporters on Hollywood Reporter and Variety, they ignore the insecures, the black AFs, the dear white peoples. And for so long, she said, they act like we don't even belong in the conversation. So that has been her experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Now T.I. has apologized to his daughter. And I know people are going to feel like, oh, this is old, this is old. But these episodes are now airing T.I. and Tiny Friends and Family Hustle. And if you guys remember the whole vagina hymen conversation that he had publicly about his daughter and taking her to the doctor. Well, Deja's mother actually appeared with T.I. And they had a whole conversation and the conversation was about, you know, why Deja's feelings were hurt. And, you know, it's a, it's a learning curve. And he did finally apologize. Here's what uh, she had to say at first to T.I. about parenting their daughter.
3: Whether she tells you yes or no, believe her. Because really, at the end of the day, whether or not her hymen is intact, it is not telling of whether or not she had sex. So if you tell the doctor to check her hymen and she's told you, I've not done anything. mm mm-hmm. And her hymen was broken, and she was telling the truth. Now you coming down on her, now, telling her that she's lying. So
6: now I understand.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: That I understand. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm beginning to realize that, damn, I ain't know as much as I thought I did.
4: And then she did help him understand how inappropriate that conversation was and how the double standard exists, and you don't do that with your sons. Why would you do that to your daughter? Listen to this.
3: She feels as though there is no trust in what she says. It's a bit misogynistic because do you do the same for your son?
6: Man, listen. You would never do that. I don't think that... Would you ever do that, sir? No, you would not. I think all of these things and double standards, when it comes to me being a dad, I was being educated. And also, I realized how inappropriate the conversation by Deja on a podcast may have been. And I... Hold myself accountable. I apologize to Deja. You know I love you. You know I've always gone above and beyond to do any and everything possible to make you happy and to keep you protected.
4: All right. But, you know, when you watch the episode, Deja's feelings were still really hurt and she was having a hard time not answering the phone for him and all of that because it was something that was embarrassing to her. It was hurtful for her for many different reasons. So, you know... That is something that should be a learning experience for everyone. I remember we had this whole debate up here about, well, he's Mm -hmm. just being a good father. But I think being a good parent is also, you know, as far as for me being someone's daughter, knowing that your daughter deserves her privacy, respect. And also you should believe her if she's telling you something, if you know she's a good girl. And Deja has always seemed like a good girl. And if you trust her, you you should be able to talk to her and ask her questions instead of worrying about what's happening with her body because women's bodies are very complicated.
5: I mean, once again, all you can do is learn from a situation and apologize, okay? I need to know who these folks are that get everything right all the time. I was going to say the same
6: thing. He's a dad he's just trying to protect his daughter. He made some bad mistakes. He made a bad mistake, and, you know, he apologized, and we have to learn from our lesson. Like, you say this all the time. There is no instruction manual when it comes to kids. There's no instruction manual when it comes to daughters. We try to do our best, and sometimes we make a a wrong decision and a wrong move, and we have to say, you know what, I'm sorry.
5: And just as human beings, perfect people aren't real and real people aren't perfect. You're not going to always get it right. And I respect the education that, you know, that that woman gave tip. You can clearly see he got it. He admitted he's wrong. You apologize. And the best apology is change behavior. What do you want from what do you want from here? Blood?
4: Now Mind you, in the episode, <laughs> he still didn't apologize directly to his daughter. You know, so well, that was something, too, because... Yeah, but she did look, I mean, if you watch the episode, it's really sad. She's like crying, breaking down, you know, talking to other family members, and she can't even really speak to her own father, and he's still being a little bit stubborn about it.
5: Because, yeah, it's TV. They'll get to that in the next episode. (laughs) It's not real life. They got to stretch it out for the storyline. That's the other bad thing about a situation like this. Your real life becomes people's entertainment. So now it's a storyline that plays out.
4: Yeah, but that's right? or the good maybe and the bad, maybe though. she really felt that. I mean, I'm sure she really felt that way. I don't think she's you know over exaggerating, but uh, no, no, I think no, no.
5: it you, is. A, you, oh no 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 no! I can't let you switch my words up. You said he hadn't apologized yet, and I said yeah because it's TV. I'm sure he'll get to that next episode. I'm sure he's already apologized, but they're stretching it out for TV. All
4: right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report.
5: All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, Charlemagne, who you giving that donkey to? Uh, there are two pastors. Uh, in Arizona. Uh, they are the pastors of a mega church called Dream City Church. We need them to come to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a word with them, please.
6: All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning.
0: say the gang, don't get
6: a
5: donkey. <laughs> it's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day does not discriminate.
0: I might not have the song of the day, but I got the Donkey
5: of the Day. So if you ever feel I need to be a donkey, man, hit me with the E-R. heat. Uh, yeah, it's a breakfast club, bitches. Who's Donkey of the Day today? Donkey of the Day for Wednesday, June 23rd, goes to the pastors of an Arizona megachurch called Dream City Church. Okay, Dream City Church uh, senior pastor Luke Barnett and chief operations officer Brendan Zastro are their names and dream city is the perfect name for that congregation because life is all about the buying and selling of dreams. You either a hustler or a customer in the dream business and churches are the best dream business. Okay. And this church was holding an event featuring one of the biggest dream sellers in America today. Donald J. Trump. Now, it won't be the first time a dream is sold in a church, okay? (laughs) The whole concept of religion is dream selling, and that's why these pastors were able to get this dream off, or should I say this lie off, okay? Now, circulating online this week was a promo video that claims the church's air filtration system can kill 99.9% of COVID-19 within 10 minutes. Now, I watch Bishop T.D. Jakes every Sunday, and Potter House in Dallas be fairly empty. I also watch my man, Monk's Corner, South Carolina's own Stephen Furtick, and Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, be fairly empty. Uh, Clearly in Arizona they are farther along in phases, or they just don't care. So they are trying to get people back in those pews. Okay, I guess prayer and faith and white Jesus isn't enough, because in order to get folks comfortable with coming to Dream City, they have to sell A dream to the city that they have installed air filtration systems that kill 99.9% of COVID within 10 minutes. Let's go to Dream City Church's
2: Facebook page to hear the promo, please. Here at Dream City Church, we're probably the first church in the nation to... Yeah, we've, uh, we've installed Clean Air EXP. We have a local Arizona company. It was technology developed by some members of our church. And we've installed these units... And it kills 99.9% of COVID within 10 minutes from yeah. independent testing. It's a ionization? Ion it is It's a ionization of, of the air, and it takes particulates out, and COVID cannot live in that environment. So when you come into our auditorium, 99% of COVID is gone, That's killed, correct. if it was there in the first place. So you can know when you come here, you'll be safe and uh, protected. Now
5: look, I'm not here to tell you what to believe. If religion helps you get through your day, If it gives you a better life, great. Even though I am more of a spiritual person than a religious person, I don't knock religion, but you have to acknowledge the fact that if you can get people to believe that a white man turned water into wine with no grapes, then you can make them believe anything. All right, that whole story of white Jesus turning water into wine, there was no mention of grapes. Uh, You need lots and lots of grapes. There was no mention of sugar, no wine yeast, and was the water filtered? Because you need filtered water to make homemade wine. But nevertheless, I am not here to be a dream killer. If that's your bag, let me mind my business. But I'm just saying, I can tell you my air filter kills corona. And you would believe me because, well, I told you white Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fishes. And you believe that. I know, I know, miracles, okay. But 5,000 people got fed with five loaves of bread and two fishes? Come on now. Caterers, chefs, food and beverage workers, talk to me. 5,000 people ate good off five loaves of bread and two fishes. I am not knocking you for what you just, for what you believe. I just know that if you called a catering service and told them you had a party of 5,000, and Jesus told you, not Jesus, Jesus told you that he could feed them with five loaves of bread and two fishes, you would hang up on Jesus. That's all I'm saying. But if you believe that, then you would believe an air filter can kill coronavirus. I mean, it's literally so many miracles performed in the Bible. 80 in the Old Testament, 83 in the New Testament, probably more in the LeBron James Version. So why wouldn't I believe my pastor when he says the church has an air filter that kills coronavirus? And if the church has that, why are they not having them installed in every member of the congregation's house? Okay, that's what white Jesus would have done. He would have hooked up five air filters and said two prayers and 5,000 people would have been cured of coronavirus, okay? That white man is something else, isn't he? That white man can make you believe in him more than you believe in yourself, and that's exactly how he designed it, okay? All I'm saying is, if you can make people believe that Moses Rod turned into a serpent, if you can make people believe that Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt, if you can make people believe a white man walked on water, then you can make them believe an air filter kills 99.9% of coronavirus. And for the record, Jeffrey Siegel, a professor at the Department of Civil and Mineral Engineering at the University of toronto He said he's read the lab reports that the Clean Air EXP results are based on. And basically he said the devil, in this case, the white devil, those two pastors are a liar. Okay, He said, aside from the unrealistic testing that was done for this filtration system, there's no filter or air cleaner in the world that could reduce risk in a crowded indoor environment. He said filtration or air cleaning is not a good way of protecting people who are close to each other because fundamentally you have to get the droplets that contain the virus to the air cleaner and remove them before they are inhaled or land on someone else and eventually end up in their respiratory system. Long story short... It's some BS. But Jeffrey also said, aside from the unrealistic testing, listen, you don't have to be realistic when you're in the church. The stories they make you believe uh, about the church from the Bible are all unrealistic. And that's why when you have pastors who prey on people's need to believe like these two pastors did, religion goes from being something constructive to something destructive. In a statement to CBS News, Dream City Church said the post about the filtration system was meant to inform the congregation we are doing everything we can to foster the cleanest, safest environment as we resume church services. A.K.A., we're just trying to get people back in this church by any means necessary. A.K.A., this COVID done messed up the church's money and false prophets only care about profit. So we need this money to rain down like manna from the sky. This is why people don't trust religion. Guys like these pastors give great pastors a bad name. And with that I say be careful who you trust the devil was once an was once an angel. Please let Chelsea Handler give Pastor Luke Barnett and Brendan Zastro the biggest hee haw. Hee
8: haw, hee haw. That is way too much, Dan Menes.
6: All right. Amen. Thank you for that donkey today, sir. Yep. Up next, Ask Ye. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, call Ye right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning.
5: What, 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 what you want to know? Baby
0: mama issues? Need some words of wisdom? Call up now for Ask Ye. 800-585-1051. The Breakfast Club. Come on, mom. Need relationship advice? Need personal advice?
5: Just need real advice. Call up now for Ask Yee. Keep it real.
6: Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Hi, uh, it's
8: Tito from uh, Brooklyn. Uh, hi, How you doing, Yee? Uh, I just got to say I'm a big fan. Uh, I love you guys. I listen to you guys every day. I just have a question. I'm 25 years old, uh, mm-hmm. and... I've been dating a couple of women, but it seems that the women I've been attracting only want one-night stands or they already have a boyfriend. I'm looking for a long-term investment. And oh, seem, my friends tell me that uh, I should stick with, because of my age, I should stick with women who already have kids. And I, I, I need to know, is like any advice you can <laughs> give me
4: on the dating game? Well, number one, where are you meeting these women?
8: Uh I, I try everywhere, you know. Uh I just finished a college semester, so I was dating a woman in college. Uh I tried mm-hmm. Tinder, social media, and I I've been striking out, you know. I get the date, right. but it, it, they're not looking for something, they're not looking for that type of commitment.
4: Well, I'll tell you this, maybe you shouldn't sleep with people right away when you get the date. Okay. If if you're looking for something more <laughs> long-term, And, you know, you're upset about just having all these one night stands, maybe the best thing to do is to go out and not try to go home with someone and actually have those phone conversations, FaceTime calls, real dates, go out and don't sleep with them right away. That way they're getting a chance to know you as well.
8: Yeah. Uh, I, uh, another thing is uh, i also been told that I, I'm too cheesy on dates. Like sometimes I, I show up with flowers and I still hold doors for ladies because I, I keep it a little bit old school. I, I'm very respectable towards women. I think that's and great. I, I
4: think that, that sounds amazing. <laughs> you know what? Don't date people who are already in relationships. And no, you don't have to date people who have kids already. You have to go out with people who you like. And I think the best advice is... And I really strongly believe in this. When you go on dates with people, don't look at it as this is gonna be my potential wife. Look at it as is this is somebody that I could be friends with, that I could see myself hanging out with and then that's the person that you should try to pursue.
8: Okay. Okay. Do you do you know any like signs that shows like if a woman is not into a long term relationship or like anything like that? Like you know any signals that I should know on like a day or if I if, if I do get to know somebody and they get to know me, should I Is there any, like, warning signs or signals that said, hey, she might not be, you know... Well, I
4: think... I think communication is important. So if she's texting you throughout the day and calling you and paying attention and asking questions about what's going on in your life, and if she has major decisions to make or something happens, she comes to you for advice and, and vice versa, if that's the person you know you can go to, if she's available, if somebody's not responding to your messages and not returning your calls, then that's a sign that she's definitely not interested. And I think planning in advance, like if it's right now is Thursday, if you're like, hey, I wanted to see if, you know, Sunday... I could make you brunch and we could, you know, do something like that. So I I just think things like that where you're planning ahead, you guys are planning to spend time together. By the time your date is over, if you guys are already thinking about, okay, where are we going next or what are we doing next, I think that's important. But if somebody just doesn't open up to you, if somebody's not asking questions and seeing how you're doing and they're not communicating with you throughout the day. Then most likely they're not that interested because we get really excited mm-hmm. when we like somebody when we first meet them, and sometimes we also do hold back because we don't want to seem too thirsty. But if you hit her and she responds right away, or you know she responds quickly, I think that's a good sign.
8: Okay, uh, just to rephrase off of my uh, other question, uh, I'm uh, like I said, I'm 25 years old, so. It, Am I okay to look for women that don't have kids, or is it wrong that I I, I shouldn't or I should? No, that's a preference. Or is my age plays a difference.
4: That is your preference. If you prefer to be with somebody you're still young who doesn't have kids because you don't want to have to deal with the father of the children or child, and you don't know what the situation is, and you know that's definitely your prerogative. But. You know, sometimes I think you have to be flexible on that because the very thing that you say you don't want is what you end up getting. And if that's who you end up with, then it is what it is. But I, I definitely don't have a problem with you having a preference.
8: Okay. That that actually helps me. You are awesome. Uh, just once again, I love you guys. I love Charlemagne. Uh, I think you keep it Please real. DJ Envy, one Thank of the best brother. DJs I hear. And yeah, he, uh, I listen to you guys every day. I love y'all. Thank you so much. Thank,
4: thank you. Bro. You should thank bring you, them brother. some flowers. Okay, I definitely will. Just give me an address. <laughs> All right. Thank you, thank Tito. You,
6: Ask Yee, 800-585-1051 if you need relationship advice or any type of advice. You can call Yee now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Here's I'm 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 real, real, with with some you real a, advice with Angela Yee. It's Ask Yee. morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're in the middle of Ask Yee. Hello, who's this?
7: Hello, this is Keswick. Hey, what's your question for you? So my question is, um, I'm, I'm dating this girl for the past um, four months, going on to five months. Um, mm-hmm. We have, like, a very strong communication with each other where we are open with each other. And, like, if we feel any type of way about each other, about anything, we are expressive with it. So she's saying that um, this is someone that I see myself with. I get it okay. I've, been, I've been childhood and everything. She she has met the requirement that I required as, you know, when it comes to, like, marriage or choosing the mother for my child and stuff like that. You so love
4: her. She's – I wouldn't say I love her, but it's getting there. She meets the requirements, would, but you don't love her yet. You see this happening in the
7: future. <laughs> no, I'm, not
4: saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I do not box. love her,
7: but love is a very strong word. I know it will get there, but – I i'm jamaican and i don't love that music
4: okay no just so, when you said you could see yourself marrying someone and you can see them being the mother to your child i would figure that means that you love her
7: but listen i could say i love i see myself marry her what if things change because you if you understand what i mean so anyway she she said um before before we like move in together like if we have a plan on, which we are planning on moving together she said we have to get married before we could move in together so i was thinking that that's like a recipe for disaster
4: but not moving we, in together until you get married she wants us to get married before we move in together okay
7: what do you think about that
4: i mean if that's what her requirements are and what she's saying because you guys can still date and be at each other's houses that doesn't mean that you have to move in so you still have separate residences i'm sure you spend a lot of time together now but if she's not comfortable living with somebody unless they're you guys are married then that's her prerogative
7: i mean that's yes i accept that the, um that's her prerogative and all that but it's like if you there's some truth into this like when you live with someone right that's mm-hmm. that's like the best way of it, that's like the best way of getting to know them Because I could see you, I could be good friends with you, I could be a good family member with you, I could have a good relationship with you, but when we live together, it could be so many different things that I didn't know about you, which probably would say um, that I wouldn't tolerate, if you understand what I mean. So living together is getting to know the person better. I I mean, there's
4: plenty of people who don't live together before they get married, though. For some people, they want to wait until marriage for that, because just like you find it hard to be in love or love someone, she might find it hard to uh, commit to somebody on that level until they're committed on the level that she wants. And if that's her uh, standard of what she wants to do, then either you're with it or you're not. But I just you know, you can't make somebody do something that is against their own morals or what she wants to do. I and mean, do you all spend I, the night at each other's houses?
7: Uh yeah, we yeah we spend the night at each other's house and we you know we go to each other's house. We probably spend a two or three days and stuff like that. But the thing is, I I um I'm kind of compromising a request. I said, okay, let's engage. Then, what do you think about that? I said, let's engage. Okay, so
4: you're saying that you you so basically you just want y'all to live together and you will get engaged. In order to make that happen. yes. Okay, well, that's a a compromise. You can ask her that. You can say, okay, well, once we get engaged, I would want us to live together and see if she's open to that. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with being excited about actually getting married. And after you get married, y'all move in together as part of that. Because some people feel like, I don't want to act like we're married and live together until we really are. And, you know, some people don't feel that way. So it just seems like you guys have a difference in opinion. I don't think either one is right or wrong.
7: Yes, but I mean, it's like, it's like I'm trying to protect her at the same time, but it's not like I'm planning on doing her dirty or anything of that sort. But it's like I'm trying to open her mind to like certain stuff, especially when you're dealing with persons who are not really hoping to like society. They're so closed into like, their family um, dynamics or are their, are their their, cultural background. So it's like most of the decisions they made is based on, like, all oh, I was raised. But at the same time, you have to look outside. You have to peep outside and, and see society for what it is. Even though that's what your family dynamic says or probably that's what your cultural background says, if you go out there, you're going to meet someone who probably do not have the same. I'm not saying that you should throw everything that... Your, dy- your family dynamics or your cultural or your moral background set. But I'm just saying, like, be more hoping to reality and what it really is.
4: Well, sir, as soon as you decide that you love her, then y'all can have that real conversation. Because you shouldn't want to be living with somebody until you can tell them that you love them and mean it.
7: <laughs> I didn't say I didn't love her.
4: You said that you're getting there. You're not there yet. Why don't you wait till you get there?
7: Okay, then. that's 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 okay. That's fine.
4: So I mean, don't, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying. It, it feels like you know. You said you guys have only been dating for four or five months. You can see this happening. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even seem like you're at the point where you can be comfortable saying, "I love her. I want to be with her. I want to spend the rest of my life with her." You're not even there yet. So maybe she, she maybe. But you're not. You you, told you just told me. I said, "Do you love her?" What was your answer?
7: <laughs> I said, "It's it's get it's getting there. I like, okay. like her." Okay. And everything, <laughs> I like like her. <laughs> but if, if I say I love, 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 I for me to like entirely love someone, I have to know you entirely. Mm-hmm. I don't know her. I'm entirely. just
4: saying, let me tell you something. I wouldn't move in with somebody if they didn't love, love, love me. <laughs> so take your time. I wouldn't put the pressure on this right now. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not saying that you're wrong for not feeling like you love, love, love mm. her and that it's difficult for you. But why don't you work on getting mm. to that point before you jump to the next point
7: but i mean when i when you move into as i had um previous dimension when you move in with someone it's 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 kind of like intimately getting to know them
4: i'd rather get to know it's you first like before we before we move in together and i don't think there's anything wrong with her position on that i want to know that i love you first moving in together is a big deal for some people Look, I can see getting engaged and then moving in together. I kind of feel the same way. I don't want to live with somebody if we're not getting married. So if that's how she feels, that's how she feels. You feel differently. So you should have that conversation. And when you're ready to propose, then maybe that's when you move in together. Now, if things go terribly wrong, you could decide not to get married. But, you know, I just think that she probably wants that love, love, love first. But, you know, I, w- I, know. I do wish you the best of luck and have that conversation with her. I, I would say get engaged first, and then start thinking mm-hmm. about moving in together.
7: Okay, thank you so much.
4: Okay, you're welcome. I'm sorry it's not what you wanted to hear.
6: <laughs> Ask ye 800-585-1051. Now, we got rumors on the way, ye.
4: Yes, and Stevie Wonder has spoken and he's talking about systemic racism, police brutality, voting, Juneteenth, all of those things, and we'll have that for you.
6: All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. This The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club.
0: It's about time. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Rumor
5: report. Rumor report. This is the rumor report. With Angela Yee
0: on the Breakfast Club.
4: Ocho is giving away $245,000 in stimulus checks, and he says he's doing that since Trump won't do it. So he posted a picture of the $245,000 that he has ready, and he said he's doing it July 1st via cash app. And he's taking I part in it. this charitable giving That's because dope. Trump wants to keep on playing games. That's dope. So, That's it. really dope. I love,
5: I love I love when I love when private citizens uh take care of their own people, especially if you got the means to do it. Why not? That's what life is about. It's about being a service baby. Saluto Chosenko. All
4: right, and Stevie Wonder is speaking out, and he's talking about having an ending to police brutality, systemic racism, and so much more. Here's what he had to say:
7: if life can have an ending, all things can have an ending. Systemic racism can have an ending. Police brutality can have an ending. Economic repression of black and brown people can have an ending a movement without action is a movement standing still to those who say they care move more than your mouth move your feet to the polls and use your hands to vote make your plan now to vote because right now there are forces trying to take your vote away He's absolutely right. We got to be
5: intentional on ending it, though. Like, we can't destroy a problem we didn't create, but we can push for the destruction of it. And the dismantling of white supremacy, systemic racism, it's inevitable that it will be abolished. God is giving America the chance to atone for its sins. Play with God if you want to. Watch what happens. You You think the Thanos snap was something. Okay.
4: Okay. All right. Stevie Wonder also said he can see better than us.
7: You know, it's a sad day when I can see better than your 2020 vision. The universe is watching us. Let's do something. Let's make a difference.
5: Well, Steve, the jig been up on that. Okay. <laughs> We've we, 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 we been, though, you could see, but we just don't be saying nothing. You know what I'm saying? We ain't going to blow your spot up. Salute to you. When Stevie, remember when Stevie came and he played um, Happy Birthday for Hillary Clinton? I remember. Sure I
4: do.
5: How, how Stevie was telling people where to go? Stevie was telling his team, was. Um, come this way. The door's right there. Opening the door for people. I'm like, what the hell? Like, when I saw Stevie look both ways before he crossed the street, I knew something. Shut up. Shut up. I saw it. I saw it. He had his with part across the street. He looked both ways before he crossed the street, man.
4: (laughs) All right. Now, Ron Jeremy has been charged with three counts of rape and one count of sexual assault. Now, the Los Angeles County District Attorney did announce yesterday that Ron Jeremy has been charged and, uh, you know, he's if he is convicted, he faces a possible maximum sentence of 90 years to life in state prison. He could also be required to register as a sex offender, and that arraignment is going to be it was scheduled for yesterday. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But he is, of course, denying these accusations of sexual assault and rape in 2017. He denied it, and he has responded since then. And uh, basically, he's saying that he did not do any of these things, and uh, We'll see. You know, again. Ron Jeremy, Ron Jeremy, the porn Ron Jeremy, the adult film star.
5: Wow. He said, I'm innocent of
4: all charges. I can't wait to prove my innocence in court. Mm -hmm. All right. Black AF has been renewed for a second season. So congratulations to Kenya Barris. Congratulations to Rashida Jones. Uh, They did get some backlash in that series because the cast is light-skinned, but Kenya Barris explained the family resembles his own. It's based on his own life. And a lot of the things in the show that people did not like is basically, and people that know him have said this is kind of what his life is like. So it's a, a take on that.
5: Congrats to Kenya so. Burris. Uh I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the first season. Um, some a lot of people did. I hope the second season is is better than the first. And do you really think Netflix was not going to renew a shoe a show called Black AF at a time like this? I would have I would have dared them to not renew this show <laughs> and see what would have happened. You don't renew yeah, YKF at a time like this?
4: I know you didn't like okay. it, but I enjoyed the show. And I do know people who kind of act like that in real life. So I just felt I like it does. I do. I definitely do. I didn't see it.
5: To it. Why do you hang around such a-holes? I didn't say I. I
4: do know pe- I know all different kinds of people. Oh. And it's not necessarily that you hang around them. But I know people that do certain things. And you might think it's like, that was... Uh, you know a little crazy but we just know all different kinds of people i mean it is what it is
5: i would have enjoyed you know? the show if him and uh if if they had showed him and his wife going through a divorce and um him Our trying divorce. to prove back because that would explain his his curmudgeon curmudgeonous behavior wasn't <laughs> like it would based on I don't, yeah, and he's going through a divorce. So it would explain oh, yeah, so why he's cool. so angry, why he's so mad. And then, you know, the whole chains and the young clothes, that would have been the midlife crisis. I don't know. I just think it was a, it, it was a better angle they could have took. Okay. All right.
6: Well, I mean, you know, it's his
4: thing. I it would, guess it, it, it would represents explain,
5: him. It would explain why his kids are so mad at him, why his daughter's cursing him out, because they're mad that he's leaving mommy. Like, I just don't feel like they it explained why his character is the way he is. Well...
4: Well, it, you know, that was season one. So maybe we'll get more in depth in season two and see what's going on. But it is also a comedy. So, you know, they have some fun with certain things and some things I thought were really funny. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report.
6: All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, uh, the people's choice mixes up next. Get your request in. Shout the revolt. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, everybody else. Let's go. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning, Good morning everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning.
5: Hi, what's happening? Hey, I want to salute the eight four three man. Um, last night, Charleston City Council voted unanimously to take down that pigeon toilet that is the John C Calhoun statue from Marion Square, and they started the process this morning. Uh, I just posted a video on my Instagram page. See the God C T H A G O D, but um. Yeah, salute to the A43. We got a long way to go, but it's a start. America has a long way to go, but it's a start. You know, Thanos uh, said once that as long as there are those who remember what was, there will always be those who cannot accept what can be. And I feel like those memorials and monuments are a constant reminder of what was and still is. And they have to go so we can accept what America advertises itself to be. So. Yeah, salute to the eight hundred and forty-three and everybody else taking down those memorials and monuments and statues of those slave defenders all around
6: the country. All right, and also shout to Wes Moore for joining us this morning.
5: Man, Wes Moore, that's my guy. He's got a great new book out called "A uh, Five Days," an amer- What is it called? "A Five Days of the the, the the fiery reckoning of an American city." That's what mm-hmm. it's
6: called. Okay. Make sure you pick that up. He's also the CEO of the Robin Hood Foundation. So uh, shout out to Westmore for checking in, all right? When we come back, we got the positive notes. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. All right. Well, I learned something new today about my brother Charlemagne. I didn't know that What'd he... Joys to hug the wood. He likes to go outside and hug his trees outside. I didn't know that oh, he I likes have to say- caress and pull the wood close to him, and he talks to the wood and he hugs the wood. He puts his head on the wood. I didn't know that, and that's pretty dope, man. man I'm
5: saying I'm, I'm I'm saving all that for Valentine's Day. I'm gonna edit that up nice. I'm gonna chop what that up nice. Okay, what you mean? Everything you just said, but um, I just want to say that uh, yeah, my sacred purpose coach. Her name is Yadi. I have a sacred purpose coach. That's 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 in my circle. Uh, I do that as well as therapy. And, you know, she told me to go put my hands on some trees and, you know, put my, put my forehead against some trees and, you know, pray on the, pray, pray to the trees, pray, pray on the trees and meditate under the tree. And I've been doing that and it's really been getting me back to center and grounding me in a real way. So yes, salute to all the tree huggers out there. I am a proud tree hugger.
8: Mm -hmm.
6: All right. Well, you have a positive note tree hugger.
5: Yeah, I do. Um, This kind of ties into everything that I'm talking about because I always say invest in your mental wealth. But just know pain travels through family lines until someone is ready to heal it in themselves. Okay. By going through the agony of healing, you no longer pass the poison on to the generations that follow. It is incredibly important and sacred work, but you have
6: to do the work. Breakfast club, bitches. You all finished or y'all done? Yeah. I know only one to get the.